Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we have the absolute pleasure to have Chloe, Chloe Misagi online, and this is your host, Francesco, that welcomes you back on another fantastic episode. And Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself, what you've been up to? Sure. Uh, first, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Um, so once again, my name is Chloe Vistagi. I'm the VP of strategy over at Point3 Security. When I'm not doing that during the day, I like to be an ethical hacker advocate, meaning I'm pushing for rights for hackers, but also trying to change the mindset that the public has of us. Of course, being an advocate in the hacker space also means bringing diversity and inclusion. I'm a huge uh, believer that we need more women. Um, but also we need to have a supporting place as well. So WOSEC, I am the president co-founder, which is Women of Security. Uh, I'm also the founder of Women Hackers, which is a private online community for non-binary and women that hack all over the world. And we are having a conference soon, so I'm very excited. Um, On the 6th, right? 6th uh, and 7th of June. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, we'll have talks, workshops, lock picking, CTFs. It's going to be Online fun. lock picking, that's funny. It's going to be so <laughs> cool. Um, I'm so excited for it. Um, the other thing I do is I run the Hacker Book Club, which we meet every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And we basically read books uh, written by hackers themselves, and the hacker community reads them. Um, and of course, uh, the authors join us as well. Um, and when I'm not doing that on top of everything else, <laughs> you're another, sometimes. You're um, another one that is everywhere and does everything. How do you even breathe? I am a clown. They, I'm, I'm oh, in San Francisco. We have clone machines all over the place. It's a, it's a standard. <laughs> um, but when I'm not doing that, I'm also one of the podcasters for ITSP, The Uncommon Journey, which I believe have been on your podcast, which is filled Everybody Riley has been separate. <laughs> yes, as everybody has been separately on, on one. We need to aggregate everybody in a single podcast next time. <laughs> 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 no, it's an absolute pleasure to have you to have you on a virtual stage or podcast stage. And yeah, I wanna I wanna just crack on immediately on sure. the on the demystifying um demystifying the image of hacker because we we had uh, I think some time ago a little bit of a spot uh, I'm not gonna go on a name names but about the hoodie thing and the hacker is typically the hoodie one and we, we crack on a little bit of a joke and somebody didn't appreciate it and what, what's your view on on the hoodie versus non hoodie versus demystifying this so, I know it's a challenging right. one right a challenging thing i mean i myself i love hoodies um and i love the color black so black hoodies are awesome however i now don't wear my black hoodie um which is unfortunate because the hacker one one is really comfortable it's like super soft like they, they, they cool. got it it's like one of the best swag sweaters um 
But the reality of it is that there's a reason why we don't have rights and there has been no changes in legislation from the 80s um, and the 90s. And the reason for that is because there's still this image that the media is portraying. And by media, I mean the press and also marketing Mm -hmm. um, of this hooded figure in, you know, the basement doing some terrible, terrible things. um, And they are called a quote unquote hacker. Um, So the issue here is that there are different types of hackers that wear different shades of gray, I would say, hats going all the way from the black to the white hat. Um, And the thing is, is that we need to make sure that ethical hackers are getting their rights so they don't have to worry about being prosecuted by doing the thing that they love the most, which is keeping people safe. Mm. Um, And so the only way how we could do that is if we change uh, the depiction of what a hacker is. So basically, anytime I see the news um, saying that a hacker did this and a hacker did that, and um, I always correct them and I say, you mean attacker. Um, Attacker did this. A malicious Um, actor. Yeah, it's a malicious actor, cyber criminal. Um, Yes. Hackers are people that are just trying to do something, find something, report something, uh, and keeping systems safe. And that's basically what I try to take away on that is when I'm on that side is that I try my best not to ever wear the black hoodie. And of course, it was the black hooded figure and all that that made me want to get more into the space. But at the end of the day, I I would feel guilty if I did something malicious. And because of that, I don't want to wear a black hood. Um, And so I'm trying to change that narrative as well. Should we just modify <clears throat> modify the term in tinker and um, malicious actor? So completely getting rid completely of the word. And that, that was one challenge I given to, um, funny enough, uh, we're talking with a developer and he said, why the term hacker needs to refer just to cyber professional? I'm a hacker. I like to break things and invent new things from the other stuff. So I'm a hacker and I consider other plumber. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the people that just execute and configure stuff, they were categorized as plumber. And the people that actually break and develop new codes, regardless if it's security-wise, they're called hackers. I, I just repurpose on Tinker so that we, we get rid of the bad word of, of hacker or the good word. <laughs> yeah, so let's invent a new word. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because whenever someone talks to me and it's outside of InfoSec, because I do a lot of humanitarian work outside, so I'll work with nonprofits and whatnot. And whenever I drop the line, like, oh, I work with hackers and all this stuff. You will always they look at you badly. No, they like take us. If it if it wasn't like the whole social distancing happening, usually <laughs> in the past they would take a step back and be like, "Oh," and like they'll try to keep it really calm and like centered. <laughs> um, and it's really funny to watch because you'll see their eyes bulge first because they're like, "Wait, what?" Um, and then the mask sometimes <laughs> drops, sometimes it doesn't, but they always do take that one step back. Or they'll like lean a little bit back and you'll always find that because there's a part Also, of you're a bad person. Oh, hands down. They're like, wait, wait, what? I'm so confused. Like, don't you care about humanity? Like, what? what is wrong with you? And I'm just like, uh, let's Whatever. change the narrative. Um, <laughs> no, but, but tell me more about the humanitarian work that you do. Tell me more about what, what you're involved in. Right. 
Um, so before I went to InfoSec, I was dedicated since like, I think the age of five, I just wanted to bring equal access regardless of your background. So equal access to education, to healthcare, uh, shelter, these are the common things that you need to have no matter where you are in the world for you to feel protected, safe, and to be able to have a better economy, have a better uh, life for many individuals around the world. So at a very young age, that's what I was like focused on. I was like, I want to make sure I get Amazing. rights for people that don't, that feel voiceless and make sure they have some sort of representation at the table. Um, so I went to UC Davis for undergrad for international relations and I studied that. Um, and I was, I started traveling a bit too. And what happened was when I got back, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't continue. So I graduated a year early. I, I doubled all my courses and I got out and then oh, I did Jesus. some UN volunteer work. Um, True. I saw great. that you were in Cameroon. I think we were, in, I think we were in the UN at the same stage at the same time. <laughs> I was in the UN for six or seven years as well. Uh, so I couldn't really travel in those areas. So I had to do all that work virtually, believe it or not. So, oh, geez. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, uh, that was like the starting point, but I also did a lot of internships in college to work with some nonprofits and I loved it. And so I decided to go and pursue my master's at Edinburgh. Um, and I studied cognitive science, terrorism, and also, um, basically about economic developments in developing countries, but I focused on like rural parts of Guatemala. Um, and so it was really great. I got out and I was like, I love this work. I keep doing it, but living in the Bay area, it's really expensive. So then I started yeah. doing management consulting for startups and then I got into InfoSec. Very much. Great. It's like completely <laughs> from left. And now, and now you unify kind of the two because you are an advocate for women's rights. Right. Uh, I, love, I love that part of a lot of weird unicorn, can I call you a unicorn in the community where you come from a completely left field and you find yourself in another one and you repurpose your skills. Yeah. And, and, and I love that's, that. That's the whole thing about having diversity, right? You come in yeah. with different opinions, different backgrounds, different viewpoints, and then you come in and you start seeing what are things that are missing or what we can do better. And then talking to people and then figuring out what's the best way of going forward with that. And I, and I love that. And, and I saw of recent, like a number of blog posts about if you're not a coder, you can't go in cyber, you can't, you're not an infosec or you're not an engineer. And that's completely an utter bollocks yeah. <laughs> because it's like, we, we need so many people and we need people from diverse backgrounds, not just diversity in terms of male, female, or woman of color or Asian. It's just diverse background and diverse mindset because it brings additional value to the table. This brings a left field view to the table that it turns, ah, I haven't thought about that. We could attack the problem in, a, in this way. And until you're open to new things, mm -hmm. or, or as you said, bringing that culture shift, you're close-minded. Yeah, I mean, the and thing, we need to help, right? And I mean, the thing that the hacker community does probably better than any other that I've seen um, is the near diversity. So the fact is, is that we have all different types of minds. So that means like those that had ADHD, ADD, uh, dyslexia, um, to all the uh, autism, you find your way there and you're yourself and people understand you because there's other people that have that yeah. same background. 
because um, we wouldn't be in this field if we didn't have that type of mindset at some point. We have to think not. differently to be able yeah. to uh, prevent attacks and so on. And also naturally is, is a field that attracts people that are a bit more averse to, um, I mean, a, a lot of these, uh, how to call it, a lot of these elements, let me call it in the more neutral way possible, uh, attract naturally people that don't want, uh, don't want social interaction because social interaction in those kind of things is awkward. I ADHD myself. I talk to a person and I switch to something else. My brain goes everywhere and mine is actually mild. I know people that it's just so bad that it's like switching from one topic to the other and yeah. they can't control it. But in this kind of field, it's, it almost serves you well. Because if you isolate, if you hyper-focus, or if you just jump between the two, you can find the thing to repurpose this thing. So I think we are lucky as a community in a way because we are more in theory open to this kind of everybody, in theory everybody. Yeah. And I don't know why it took us so long. I mean, you know that I'm a, uh, I'm a very strong advocate for women in security. I'm very vocal. And sometimes I take strong position. <laughs> <laughs> but I am very vocal to, for the inclusion aspect, and I don't know why it took us so long to open up, yeah. open up the field. To... Well, we still have so many issues. It's crazy because, like, even if the research shows that twenty percent of women work in infosec, the reality is that that number is actually really inflated. It's not even. Uh, it's not taken into consideration of who. Who are these women in it? Um, some of them actually put in admin assistance in there. Um, they put in sales, they put in marketing, they put in operations. So the whole question is, how much on percentage are they the technical and how much of them are the leadership? And then mm. if it's a mesh between the two, what does that number look like? Those are the numbers I want to see. And unfortunately, I haven't found any research that really showcases that. I know Forrester did theirs. And they're like, no, we're still very behind on technical. I think they still they still uh, push out, I could be totally wrong on this, the 11% for women in technical mm. roles. So, I mean, it's one of those things that it's very tricky to deal with because you're still dealing with these biases that happen. If this woman is has leadership experience, is she technical enough? These are always the questions that were always asked. But it's demystifying the STEM and the and the blocker that STEM is just for guys. STEM is just, I mean, it, it's even demystify the stereotype when you're a little kid and and you're you're a girl and you can only play with these kind of toys, or you're a boy and you can only play with these kind of toys. They let let people open, but that's a cultural, I think, a cultural change. And I've seen with pleasure that we are changing and we're going towards the right direction. Maybe not fast enough, but it's changing. Since yeah. two, three years, the conversation has been really, really stressed. And uh, I think it's good. It's true. Um, when I first went to InfoSec, I remember looking around, even the first two weeks I joined, I was like, where are all the women? This is weird. And then I remember doing research. I'm like, wait, what? I just walked into <laughs> a 1940s like, era industry. What? In tech? Um, I mean, in tech always, there's an issue, but I mean, in InfoSec, it's a little intense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate that within the year, I actually almost left. Um, if it wasn't for a day of security and a bunch of other women um, mm -hmm. and a few men that were like, no, no, don't give up. Keep staying in here. We need people like you. I'm like, 
but uh, <laughs> but then I met Tanya, and then we formed Wosak and with Donna as well, and and that was incredible. And then then Women Hackers happened. I liked the body aspect because I, I think it's it's uh, important to mix up. Uh, I have a very strong point on just isolating woman that talks just with woman. Oh. You can agree or disagree. <laughs> that, that's going to be my point. Um, but I like the body aspect and, and the, the kind of uh, protecting each other, especially at conference, because we, we saw every kind of thing that happened in, in the in the latest year. And now I think it's better because people are more respectful. Right. So it's it's okay to be a woman at the security conference and you're not going to be harassed. You're not going to be bothered by. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, still, we have, and I don't want to like sound terrible at this, but um, last year I, I had two guys try to get into my hotel room um, while traveling. So I can't stay at conference hotels. It's not like I'm traveling anyway right now, but I mean, mm. I couldn't, I can't stay at conference hotels. Um, the other thing is that I, I get, Plenty of messages that are very inappropriate. I also get plenty of messages uh, of other women telling me, stay away from this guy, this guy, and that guy, because this guy did this and this and that and blackmails women in the space. So it's like, uh, it's just, we still have so many issues to work on, but unfortunately. But in any kind of industry, that's not just, that's just not infosec. It, no, it's, it's just widespread. Industry. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the unfortunate. You have the Harvey Weinstein type of cases, and we have that within infosec as well. Um, and it's it's one of those things like, well, where do we go? Uh, what do we do about it? And that's the whole thing is. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor, and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. I think it's just being vocal because being vocal and, and keep on announcing it and keep on denouncing the behavior, you twist it from, oh, okay, that's just one voice, two boys, three boys. It becomes maybe there's something wrong in their behavior. But the thing is, the problem is coming forth is one. So if you come forth of someone who has assaulted you, um, the guy is going to turn around saying you're making it up. They're going to attack your character. You're going to end with lawsuits. Um, and it, it's going to become one of those things where now you're on a pedestal trying to showcase that this guy uh, like did something to you so bad. And you have to really showcase that this is not your problem. This was the mm. problem of the other person. Um, so what happens is that we, I do get a, a, a numerous of messages telling me of in a time where a CISO or their manager has violated them and they don't know what Jeez. to do, what the next steps are. So some have gone to the HR, HR finds something wrong with them, gets them let go within the first few months. Um, 
And it's one of those things like, well, where do you turn? Where do you go? And yes, and unfortunately, there are a good number of guys out there that have numerous records against them, but it's not publicly known because the fear of being blackmailed in public mm. or being destroyed publicly online. Uh, we have cases where uh, we have CEOs and CISOs that have taken inappropriate photos of the woman and threatens that they'll share it, put it on pornographic websites if they come forward and share anything. So it's, it's a really tricky situation. I myself have been trying to figure out how do we how? do this? How can we fix this situation so then people can not be voiceless, they can be protected, um, and we can be able to move forward? Because until we fix that problem, we're going to have it reoccurring over and over. No, it's it's tough. They're no one size fits all, I guess. And it's always so tricky because it could it could backfire on the other hand. It could give people too much power to actually blackmail on the other way around. So I've seen a lot of guys completely terrified. It's like I can't even talk to a person at work because I am terrified of HR. So I'm not talking. I'm terrified to actually involve um, jokes aside, but to involve the girls inside. Uh, you know, the office conversation that sometimes has man-to-man banter where, you know, it's either politically incorrect or it's seen as, as sexist or, you know, there is this kind of thing, especially in England. I don't know in in US how much is the oh, office behavior. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I think sure. it's natural. But if, if you flip it on the head, that's the kind of group behavior that tend to exclude people. So you, you kind of be, become you know, the one that everybody's terrified to talk to. So I don't know. It, it I don't know how true. to solve it. I, I, the one thing I have gotten is I do get messages from guys saying, um, I'm really scared to DM you about a situation, but I need to talk to someone about one of my colleagues that went through something. And it, it's one of those things that um, I know that it, it could be definitely scary because I think everyone knows if any guy tries to do anything with me, I will definitely come out public about it. Like hands down, that will happen. Wow, but that's <laughs> the right thing. That's the right I, thing. But I'm very fortunate because I'm at a place where I can do that. Um, mm. So that's the difference um, on that front. Um, there are many that don't have that opportunity. So trying to find a safe space for them, it would be great. Um, and that's one of the things that was the reasons why WOSEC was created and when Hackers was created, safe space. So we can help each other out through these situations. Yeah, no, I, I agree and disagree with that aspect. So I, I completely agree on the safe space. I think though, not having that conversation, not having a diverse and mixed group, it creates that kind of unbalance towards one kind of vision. But I see where that's coming. I mean, I had the same conversation with Tanya over and over and over because we yeah. deeply involved. She, she's been on my journey and, and being a male ally is really, really tough. <laughs> Believe me, um, taking a certain position about diversity, it's sometimes you get it wrong. Yeah. You know, you can make mistake and it's overly amplified because it's such a delicate topic. It so, is. And then also people don't move on from it so they'll put you i've noticed this within infosec especially um once you say something that was not i guess it could have not been politically correct or it could have been just someone interpreted it incorrectly 
um, they judge immediately and then they judge you completely for the rest of your life based on that one comment. Yeah, it becomes a mock. It becomes, yeah, it becomes a bad taste. Yeah, and it's one of those things like no matter what good you do, sometimes people will see something bad because they're looking to see more on the bad side than on the good side. And that's something that I have noticed quite a bit in InfoSec. So there's a lot of reasons why True. I'm not as active on Twitter. Um, it's just... I just can't deal with that kind of stuff. And then also like the negativity. It is, it's so negative. Cause like it, everything I do is it's for a cause. Like it's always to do something good and people will always see there is something bad about it. So there's nothing that I could do to change their perspective of me um, at all. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, but there's moments where I'm just like, I don't have time nor patience nor the energy to deal with it. So I'll be a little bit. I've actually given my, <laughs> I, I give it, I give it for some time. It, it went so bad at a certain point that I, that I had my PR team running my social media account to, to just, you know, send neutral message and filter it to me to just filter out some negativity. But ultimately you have to deal with it and yeah. you have to own it, whatever opinion you have. But sometimes it can be really badly bad and negative, especially Twitter. I don't know why Twitter specifically is like a stream of negativity sometimes and it's just a, a tidal wave and it disappears. We just we just uh we just observe Twitter and the tidal wave, the yeah. other waves of negativity, especially in InfoSec, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in any kind of industry. I mean, but yeah, no. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like I love Twitter, but then there's also times where I'm like, I can't be on you. I Twitter. hate Twitter. I hate you, Twitter. Um, and it also has a this lot functional of relationship. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot about like trolls too. You know, that's the other thing. I'm getting really annoyed with trolls these days because I'm like. Are you kidding me? Are you really going to do that right now? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Be a little sensitive. Don't be a jerk. Um, but I think there is a lot of stress as well. Yeah. Uh, so I see. I don't know if you've seen the latest wave of negativity about one kid's game. And I'm not going to name names. You know the mouse thing, and it it it, it blown up out of proportion. And I've seen that happening over and over. Where one simple thing. Rightfully, somebody could have an opinion, but you have to accept that that opinion might be yours and not of somebody else. And it blows out of proportion. It, it becomes a storm. And that generates a lot of negativity for what extrapolate to the core was just a game. So yep. look at the outcome. Don't look at the bias. And I think right now everybody's stressed to and the core. So is. anything is like, bam, well, <laughs> and people jump. So one of the things with burnout and how you can tell you have burnout or if other people have burnout is if their emotions have shifted so then they become a little bit more negative so we're mm. going to see a lot more negativity right now because of uh you know having the work and personal life balance is definitely thrown off of this pandemic there's no escape um you're you're always around your kids if you have kids so burnout is so high so people are gonna be a little bit more negative because of it yeah. unfortunately but it's it is one of those things where you kind of just want to keep giving each other like virtual hugs and just being like i feel you and i'm sorry you're going through this and virtual, and hug. virtual <laughs> hugs it's the safest hugs um, exactly right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Let's hug people on Zoom or high five people yeah. or virtual high five people. <laughs> we'll do that. I remember at RSA, it was uh, RSA. High five or doing the elbow bump. Like, I'll give you the elbow bump. Um, <laughs> or oh, the virtual high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Safe distance high there five. There we go. <laughs> 
Oh God! But on 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 the other, on the other subject, let, let's move away from negativity. I'm, I'm everybody knows me to be extremely positive, but it's challenging during this. It, it can be. <laughs> but how did you start with the book club? How uh, did how did it start? So what happened was that Tara, I met her at the Wosik event. I've met her before, but this was the time I actually got to hang out with her a little bit more, and I you know, I wanted to help her with women in tech, the book. I wanted other people to read it. So I was like, huh, why are, I wonder if there's like a hacker book club, like where we read each other's stuff in the community. And then I looked around and apparently there wasn't anything like that yet. So I was like, I'm just going to start it. Cause that's usually how it goes. Is I don't <laughs> think about like the long term of how much hours this is going to go, how much energy is going to go into this it. This is cool. Let's do it. Yeah. I just do it's like, oh, this is missing the community. I'm gonna go running with it. And then I start going running with it. And I'm like, and then you know, I don't have a life anymore. <laughs> and then I'm like, I gotta find a co-moderator. I have to keep a balanced life here. Um, but yeah. And yeah, so no, I, I'm, I'm the same. I just find, well, that's cool. No, there is yeah. nothing. Let's create one. And I ended up like, running conference over conference. It's like not having a life. Yeah. It's this like, is why I don't have a blog. There's there's a reason why I don't have a blog because there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to write a blog entry every week with all the stuff that yeah. I do. I want to write a blog. I am, I'm not even consistent. I, I, ju- I just compromise and say, I'm not consistent. I'm just going to publish whenever I have like a spark of ideas. So, but that's the thing. It's like, um, right now I'm reducing a number of things because actually I, I think COVID has a moment of great reflection. Mm-hmm. I called, uh, from February onward, my moment of great reflection, where it just stopped everything that I was doing. I took two months to reflect and to say, um, what is the one thing I can do? And I talked with this, uh, with Ronald and Chris on a previous podcast on the power of one mm. It's a really good book. If you haven't read it, please do so because it teaches you to the focus, the power of focus. And I'm like you, I, I just get excited by project, but then it takes so long. Even podcasting is like, well, what is it? Just recording. No, it's the post-production is announcement yeah. is the full. It's like it, you, you started the podcast as well. So you know how painful <laughs> sometimes can be. It's like, yeah, it's an hour conversation and 90 hours worth of work. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the reality is like every time you take on a project, this is going to be fun. And then you realize, oh, wow, I I underestimate how much time goes into these things. Mm. But yeah, it's it's And it's it's hard. It is. It's hard to say no. It's hard to say no. And it's hard to to close and to kill things. Right now, it's like impossible to say hard because you're like, well, it's not like I'm going on vacation. Oh, it's not because I'm traveling. Oh, I have no excuse. Um, and so those are like one of the reasons why you're just like, I'll just take out more. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you on this is the time where you start contemplating about other things like uh, with COVID-19. Um, so I started quarantined right after RSA. So literally the very well, next February. day in February, yeah, February 27th or 28th is when I officially just stayed inside and started uh, self-quarantine and then social distancing as well. Um, so it's been a while, 
But the thing that went through my mind is like, okay, I haven't really spent so much time with my family um, because I've been so busy traveling and like doing all these projects. Um, I also realized that like I would always work late every single day. Um, mm. I never set like certain regiment schedules like uh, that I won't work during these hours. Um, weekends, I never actually had a weekend or vacation for like two and a half years. And so yeah. like... Now it's, I make sure I have a weekend, I at least have one day, um, but, but it made me really analyze things and then it made me realize, okay, this is a good time. This to is actually puppy. possible. Yeah. This is a good time also to get another dog because I'm not going to travel. So this gives me a good time to start training another dog and introducing another dog to Sherlock. So I got a puppy. How's that going? Week. Oh, it's been fun. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. It definitely distracts Fun. me from everything. Um, last one dog week. distracts you from the other dogs. Oh, I actually got three puppies. Oh. I, not puppies, but I got three dogs. So I, I was actually stuck in California and for a reason to another, for stuck for two months, um, I couldn't come back. And uh, I got to foster three dogs. See, there we go. And um, I, I became from a cat person to a dog person, apparently. And I, <laughs> I had a joke. I realized I became a dog person when I when I just went out and I put my hands in my pocket and I found dog treats. Oh my god! <laughs> I said, I okay, I'm officially before at all. Um, yeah, it's like I officially became a dog person um, by having dog treats. <laughs> and I, it was crazy when I'm growing up. I I was a cat person, and then then my family got a dog, and then suddenly I'm like, hey, dogs are kind of cool. Um, especially if you have ones that are very independent too, because that's, those are good dogs. And so, and for like, and I can't like me, yeah, and <laughs> I having two Shibas, it's like a cat. So, um, they hide. I love Shiba. Oh, they're great. They're wonderful. Except that you will never have a break. Um, they will outsmart you most of the time. And now I have two, so they're going to gang up on me most likely very soon. I you you, you a, should probably. Oh man, I already have a puppy that's already like scratching on uh, the walls like a cat because she has a dew claw. Because the Sherlock didn't have a dew claw. So now I have <laughs> these scratches on my arms. And so I was like, oh, did you just, oh, just get a cat? I'm like, no, it's called a dew claw. Um, it's, it's great. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. You know, but you have the chance to do it. Yeah. One thing that I'm terrified is if I get a dog, I can't travel, stop traveling. Oh, hands down. I mean, when I got Sherlock, I wasn't, I wasn't, my crew wasn't like taking off or anything like that. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to travel. I wasn't going to give talks at conferences. I literally got Sherlock, I think actually one, two days before I started my job at Bug Crowd. I can't mm -hmm. not. My dad's like, don't get a dog. Don't get a dog. Your place isn't allowed dog. So don't do it. I'm like, I'm just taking a look at it, seeing if it, I'm going to like it or not. My mom's like, and have dog. <laughs> oh, I like, I called him up. I'm like, hey, let's all meet at mom's. I have a, I have special, a dog. I have a special <laughs> gift. And the funny thing was, like, the very next day was my dad's birthday, too. So, like, he was just yeah. like, here, you take care of this puppy while I go and start working. Um, and so, yeah, Sherlock was great. Um, but at least I would bring her to work too, half of the week and half the week she'd be with my parents during school. I'm not school, but work. But now with, with, uh, Luna, Luna, it's like 24 seven with Sherlock and Sherlock's still dealing with the jealousy here and there. So it's been fun. Oh, jeez. Keeps me occupied. <laughs> well, you have the time now. Yeah, I have all say. the time now. 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't need a slave. Unless you know, up to the point, up to the point where you're gonna find a new project like uh, teaching uh, teaching Shiba how oh, to code. No, <laughs> I had a publisher. So a publisher has uh, reached out to me. I was like, "What would you like to write about?" And I'm just like, "I have no idea. Can I write about the things that my Shibas teach me?" Like, because <laughs> like, that's the only thing I'm learning right now for the last two, for like almost. <laughs> What are you studying? Dogs. dogs. <laughs> and just dogs. Just dogs. Security <laughs> taught by Shibas. Things I learned from my Shibas. Physi physical security. Here yeah, you go. Yeah, physical, physical security. Yeah. Avoiding how to get scratched. Uh, Self-preservation. Self <laughs> yeah. How to avoid the Shiba scream. <laughs> Why social distancing matters. <laughs> like... I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a trick. You should teach your dog how to sing. So, so the thing with I howled she, with the dogs. Oh man! <laughs> so Cheryl, she hardly makes any sounds. She only makes sounds when she's playing. She doesn't bark. Um, the only time she barks is if she's trying to protect me. So, for example, a few days ago, uh, we were outside and this uh, questionable person starts approaching, and. Mm. I think Sherlock picked up that there's something off about this person um, and went into like full on, I will okay. protect you, mom, with all my life. And so she starts with this casual wolf sound and the guy's like looking at her like, wow, this is not a scary dog at all. <laughs> it's her warning wolf. It's a very gentle wolf. Then it escalates. It's like removing the safety wolf. We went, we went from warning, if you come near, I might bark harder. And so he takes a step forward. She then barks louder. And then he's like, he's just kind of standing and staring at her. And then she starts showing her teeth. And then she starts barking like crazy and then foams at the mouth. The guy like, like just walks away scared, like he just disappears. <laughs> Um, Sherlock has probably saved me about three times in my life already from the, when she was four months old and so on from strangers that have been questionable. I once was mm. followed, um, like I was walking and this guy was following me and then Sherlock kept turning around, staring him down and then would show teeth and growl. The one thing is like, everyone's always afraid of a pit bull, but the thing is they don't think about Shiba's are actually really scary. When they are upset or when they are undefensible. Small dogs are aggressive. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, Shibas are ridiculously smart. So they already have figured out where your weak spots are. So if they target you, they know exactly where to bite you. So it's, it's very different because she's highly skilled. If anyone was to come close or even closer, she will, she will attack, like attack full on, um, which is no, good. And that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, well, great, great for, for you. Me. Great for me. <laughs> Not great for the person who decides they want to do something bad. So. Yeah. No, but that, that's that's great. But and, and California is such a great place for dogs. Everybody yeah. is, is dog friendly. UK is a little bit less. They they're more cat cat population. Yeah. You, you don't have a lot of outdoor space because of rage. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only and, yeah. I mean, like also like France, they're very dog friendly too. Like in Paris. Yeah. Everyone, like so many people show It doesn't rain as much as England. You don't want wet yeah. dog around the house. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Unless you have a puppy. Puppies have a really nice um, smell? smell. It's very nah. weird. It smells like baby powder. Like, it's, <laughs> baby yeah. dogs. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, 
no matter like how like I, I I don't know how to describe it, but Sherlock and Luna, they both when they were very little puppies, they both smelled like baby powder. It's just a natural smell. And you're like, this is really nice. And then their paws kind of smell like popcorn, like butter popcorn. It's very strange, but puppies smell amazing, you guys. <laughs> okay, here you go. <laughs> go get a puppy, especially if you want to smell popcorn. <laughs> I'm gonna quote you then. <laughs> if you want popcorn, get a puppy. Yeah, like Sherlock, I, I still call her popcorn paws. Like, <laughs> oh god, it's so sweet. And actually, the, the, the building where I live uh, uh, is full of Asian, and they're obsessed with Shiba. So I have like a population of Shiba living around me. I just don't have a dog myself because of traveling. But I'm thinking about getting a dog. If you, if you get a small dog, if you get one, like like she, I thought Sherlock was going to be small enough to travel with. Not true. She's she's too she's a lot bigger than the most Shibas. So. Mm. But get get a small dog you could travel with that's going to be pretty good at hotels. I do know people travel with um, various different small dogs wherever they go in conferences. But yeah, but it's stressful. I it mean, is. It, it's for, the, for you and the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why whenever I go, I'm thankful I have family to watch Sherlock. Offload dog. Hey, I have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're like, oh. Okay, I'll watch this puppy. My dad's like, I bet you people will pay you to watch Luna right now. And I'm just True. like, I'm not gonna allow anyone to watch Luna. Luna is Yeah, you become like a mom where you're terrified of your kids where your kids go. Yeah, like I don't a stranger to the reason yeah. I'm actually here that is called uh Borrow My Doggy, where you can actually walk other people's dog. And uh, I was talking to a few friends in the US and they say that's not such a thing. I mean, people just um, are properly trained to walk doggy and then they're constantly tracked. But uh, I didn't thought up until I had dogs that it becomes very, very protective. It's almost your oh, kid. Yeah. Especially after after you spend so much time training it. Yeah, I mean, it, so it depends on the dog or whatnot, but like she was, it's like having a roommate. So now it feels like I have, you know, totally. another roommate. Um, or a baby and a roommate. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is like, uh, Luna, she doesn't cry during the night or anything. Only if she like vomits because it's common people, puppies, they eat things they're not supposed to. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, like, and then you're going to have to pick it up during the night. But I mean, pretty much everything is pretty good. Both of them now sleep in the bedroom which is different because they used to be Sherlock would be like, oh, bedtime, I'm taking over the living room. Bye-bye. This is my space. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. But now she sleeps in her room because the other one's in there and she's jealous. So it's it's great. So now it forces Sherlock to sleep. It keeps you occupied though. And and that's that's a great part during COVID that dogs keeps you really occupied and you don't think it's it's that interaction is that the physical interaction that is missing during i think COVID. Yeah. so well Sherlock, she's, I, I, she snores sometimes so that's fun so i have to wear earplugs <laughs> and you're moving yeah i'm like i'm like sherlock sherlock you're snoring yeah no it's it's, it's great but uh, actually how did it happen that you alisa and and uh, you started the podcast 
Um, great oh, you co-hosted the podcast. Um, so what happened was that, um, so I do webinars for point three. And so I love Phil and I love Alyssa. I know them very well. And so it's like, why don't we have like a, a webinar about our journeys into InfoSec? Because we have very unique stories. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you have a bear wrestler, you have a pre-med, and then you have a humanitarian that walk into a bar and they talk about InfoSec. Um, so, <laughs> so this webinar idea came about, but then we were talking about like, oh, we should just do a podcast at this point. And we're like joking around. But then next thing I know, like, we're like, wait, why aren't we doing this podcast? We should totally do this and have all people's journeys sharing about InfoSec because I wanted to know every single person that I follow on Twitter, their story. The story, yeah. And so uh, we reached out mm. to ITSP Magazine. Um, they're like, we love to feature this and let's do it. And so then that's what we do now. Every, every other week, we release a podcast of someone that's pretty well known in the field. And it's amazing, but it, there is so much content out there that I have a whole backlog of things that I need to listen. I am embarrassed by the, by the amount every week I need to listen. And, and I can't because I usually in the morning or in the evening, I listen to something and it's great because it give me new ideas on new topic. Like, um, you know what trust and verify came from? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, Shoot. what? The term trust and verify where it came no, from. Tell me. Kennedy. Ah, Kennedy said that to Gorbachev uh, some time ago saying, we're going to trust you that you're going to disarm, but we're going to come and verify. And everybody took it in InfoSec and say, well, trust and verify. That becomes the mantra of InfoSec without realizing it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody actually trusts. They actually verify everything. Yeah. And it, uh, I picked it up on, on one of the story about zero trust uh, from the Hacker Valley studio. And Podcast is a way, great way to, I think, learn and, and discover new thing. And I kind of uh, lost the, the, the habit of listening to podcasts. And it's like finding back an old friend. I don't know. Yeah. I always did podcasting, but I, for a certain period of time, I stopped listening to it. I was into audiobook. I, was, I went crazy for a bit of audiobooks. <laughs> and that was my life. I was like, any kind of minute that I could get out of the day, <laughs> yeah, and I crunch the books. Oh, I, I love to read. That's like one of my favorite things to do. But I, so I've tried to do like, I guess, Audible and all that. But for some reason, I just love turning pages of a book. You know, I do. Mm. I do have a tablet to read books on and whatnot. But the thing is, is like the, the whole churning the page yeah. physically, the smell of a book, the, the, the feeling you get when you open a brand new book or a, a very old book. The smell, the, 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 the smell of fresh yeah. published. There's something yes. aesthetically pleasing about it. So it's an experience and put it on the shelf and organizing and looking at it. I, I, I do agree. I have a lot of physical books as well. I, I converted into Kindle and uh, for notes, I take a lot of notes. So I convert yeah. it completely in digital notes. But for books, I'm like you, especially studying something. I love to underline. I, I, I don't find the same feeling with digital stuff. Yeah. I don't get it. I, it doesn't absorb in the same way. Yeah. I If I'm doing anything like education wise, I will definitely buy the book and I will highlight the crap out of it, do some doggy yeah. ears and like <laughs> make little comments. Like... <laughs> yeah. Highlighters for, are, are my life and flashcards. I yeah. don't know how I would have gone through college if I didn't have flashcards and highlighters. 
I'm actually, I, I, I write on the side of the book. So I write everything on the side of the yeah. book. So my book, there is a book inside the book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I take note on the side. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Around. <laughs> and plus highlight, yeah. there's three colors of highlighter, plus oh, underline, yeah. two different styles of under Oh God, it's like, if you read my book, you need the correct whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, just, you get I destroy books if it's like Me something too. for education like all my college books were not returnable or like reusable because i would do so there, much there, there were people that actually resold books mm -hmm. and i never understood that thing for me that's like that's me and i need to live and breathe it and you need to see that I actually suffered yeah. on this book. You need to know the pain I had to go through for this yes, book. Yes, I, I went through that exam, yep. like literally went through the book. Oh, man. But the thing is like, but then when you like you move or whatnot, I don't know about you, but I got rid of all of them in the end for free. And I'm like, I should have just resold all these. But no one That's why you need to these. use the same puppy technique. I, I, I say, mom. <laughs> Let's buy a massive library. We have probably, we have four rooms, we, which we have four bookcases, uh -huh. and it wasn't enough. We have one old bookcase on the entrance, and it wasn't enough. We built a custom bookcase around all the entrance. So it's like an enormous corridor that is now two side bookcase, oh, and it's still not enough. And I've given away so, some, of, uh, some of my technical book. Yeah, I pretty much have gotten rid almost all the books. The only books I have are signed books now, um, travel books, because I do want to take a vacation one day. Um, and I have a bunch of... What is your favorite friends. destination? Where do you want to go? Oh, so I really want to go to Madagascar because I want to see okay. the lemurs. Um, so, and the... Of course you do. <laughs> Um, so I really want to go to Madagascar. I was supposed to go a couple of years ago, but the plague started up again. So then I couldn't go. Um, so I've lived actually, in Madagascar. One of my, one of my friends actually biked around all the Madagascar. We do, it's like took a month off. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I want to do that. I want to do something similar crazy. Even, even just in California, like the coast to coast oh, on yeah. a bike. No, it's California is beautiful. It, it, it really yeah. is I'm like very fortunate. We have so many beautiful landscapes around here. Um, it's just a gorgeous Everybody place. loves hiking in San Francisco. No everyone, one don't wonder why. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> wait, we can still exercise outside. And then everyone goes and hikes. And then you're like, so social distancing, eh? Nothing. <laughs> it's mountains. We are social distancing from other people in the city, so we just all oh, yeah. each other hiking. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my, my getaway because the Bay Area, there's so many people here. Sometimes, like, I just need to get away, so I'll like go up to Napa or Sonoma, or I'll go to Davis, even like just to get away from people. Um, which is but great. you find that everybody had the same idea. Yeah, usually Napa, it's like yeah, everyone had the same idea. Um, Sonoma is a little bit less so because people are still not understanding that Sonoma is just as good and maybe even better. <laughs> um, you know, so. I passed through that. Um, I'm, I'm usually more for the LA, so I started exploring the different areas of of LA outside, and especially during Corona, it's like let's get away from people and. In some areas, everybody had the same yeah. ideas, like Joshua Tree. Everybody was in Joshua Tree. It's like, okay, 
wrong idea. And then I did like Marco. So I was actually next, sorry, I was next to Sean. He was in Big Bear and I was in Small Bear <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. But we social distance. We didn't hug each other. See, we didn't see each other. <laughs> Anyway, I think we we went up to the hour. So I, I'd like, first of all, to thank you. It was an amazing conversation. It just time flies when you have fun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. This is fun. But leave, leave us leave us with a positive message about cyber. Oh, my Ten God. second positive message about cyber. Because we talked about a lot of down stuff. Oh, then we okay. went into dogs. <laughs> so positive. So even though, I'm always positive. Even Twitter could be a nightmare. Um, just note that Twitter is also a place where the community comes together and helps and support one another. Um, I would never be where I am today if it wasn't for the community on Twitter, believe it or not. And honestly, the InfoSec community has done so much and helped so many people around me that I am so blessed and thankful every single day because of it. So if you're still down, whether or not to be an InfoSec or you want to get in, Believe me, the community will have your back always. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And use hashtag Mentoring Monday, or actually, as it's been taken over, unfortunately, mine and Tanya, hashtag Cybersecurity Mentoring Monday. And ask Tanya how much time we spend debating what the name was. <laughs> and I finally convinced her that Cyber Mentoring Monday was actually a thing. So hashtag Cyber Mentoring Monday to actually pair up people and to ask for a mentor or for a ask for a mentorship or hashtag asking for sec to ask a question and we, we kind of follow it and we try to reply to this question to help each other out. Love it. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. You. And hopefully we'll do the podcast all together. Yes. <laughs> the unusual journey. That'd be great. Well, now we so, have to have you. I mean, you have all three of us. So now we have to collect <laughs> you to our collection. <laughs> is that what it becomes focusing so. collecting it's people, collecting people. <laughs> souls souls <laughs> one piece at a time and on that bombshell I'd like to thank everybody and I'll see you on the next podcast thank you very much Chloe oh, have a you. great day cheers bye. bye we hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.